Right? Okay. Same thing with Almighty God. Same thing with your Heavenly Father. He'll let His children go for a while. He gives us rules and regulations to play in, to live in, to make our decisions. And then He gives us that freedom to choose, to obey, to listen. Okay? And when we don't, then God deals with us. And lately, mm, not lately, long time I've been asking God, God, what's going on? What's happening with your church, especially in America? Okay, and now I believe it's just simply answered in 1 Peter 4, 17, and that's going to be our opening text tonight. States right out there in the beginning, for the time has come, and I believe that time is now. We're in it. Maybe we didn't recognize it right away or catch it when it started, but I believe that this is what's going on, at least for the church in America. It's hard to say a church in the entire world because there are some tremendous moves going on outside of the United States, some tremendous uh, moves of salvation, great harvests going on in China, and these, these, uh, even in Iraq and Iran, people coming to Christ, hearing the gospel for the first time, accepting it wonderfully. But in our nation, it's just like, man, God, it looks like we're going the other way. And it simply says, for the time has come that judgment must begin in the house of God. It must, absolutely must begin. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? Okay, so I believe we're in that time. Because God says that time has come, that judgment. But my judgment is beginning in the house of God. But now listen, just as I would deal with a son that did what I didn't want him to do, and he busted a window, and he would suffer for it, but he did not suffer constantly because of it. He didn't lose my love. I didn't think about it a month later and beat him again. (coughs) You understand what I'm saying? This judgment that comes from God... Is for your good. It's not this that he can't stand you and he beats you senseless and he never wants to see you again. That word judgment sometimes causes us to cringe. But don't deal with your children. Don't bring judgment on your children when they need it. Then the courts and the judge and the police will deal with them later. So judgment means, the definition of that judgment means the denunciation or, or denouncing the wrong. And the American church has been messed up for a while. And I believe that God is now judging the church. Now it's going to be for our good. It's going to be for our good. Because the next time someone went out in our backyard... And grabbed my son and said, let's play ball. And they grabbed a hard ball and a hard bat. My son, if he learned anything, had any wisdom, said, let's go play in the fairgrounds. Okay, because he understood. And I believe that that which is happening to us corporately is by the hand of God. 
and it's going to be for our good. I don't think I'm going to keep you long tonight, but what I got is very important, so I hope that you truly listen and have that anointing of God to be able to really hear. So we see here that Peter tells us that judgment begins at the house of God. Now listen, a lot of people don't like this. A lot of times when we don't like what we're going to, uh, like this morning, we just kind of turn it off. But whether you turn it off or not, things are going to happen. Okay, so it's just best that you understand and look at it head on. But God tells us in this, this judgment, there's a, a suffering with it. There's a suffering when it comes to this judgment. But it's not the horrible suffering uh, if you see someone uh, laying in agony in some type of pain, it's a it's a suffering that God uses in a purifying sense for His people, for His people. Uh, just like there was a a suffering and an agonizing a pain for a while to my children, but there was a reason for it. There was a purifying. There was a a discipline. There was a learning lesson, and it has paid off now that they're adults and. Now they're using that same principle, which is not mine, but it's the Word of God on their families. So now we see 1 Peter 5.10 tells us, But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto His eternal glory by Christ Jesus. Listen to what he says now. After that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. God says, I have a reason for this. I have a reason for my dealings with you as my children. I have a reason for you being under my chastisement. I have a reason for what's going on and a greater purpose that even you understand at this time. Whether it's us corporately as New Hope or the entire church in America or you as an individual. You are the house of God. God says, I have a reason. Whether you understand it or not. And I would have to think a lot of times my children did not exactly quite get understanding as fast as they would have liked. Now, 1 Peter 5.10 in the uh, NIV, a little simpler maybe to understand, says, And the God of all grace, who has called us, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. So it is not a suffering to destruction, to total annihilation. You're no good. I'm sick of you. I'm through with you. No, it's not that at all. Nothing. The Word of God tells us no. You will suffer. And it's coming from the hand of God. You will suffer a little while, it says. But it says, will Himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. There's a reason, there's a lesson, and you will be better for it, God is saying. And that's what we need for our nation. We don't like, right now it seems to um, kind of look ugly and bleak. It's as if uh, you've pruned this beautiful tree that had wonderful flowers, and now it just kind of has sticks and twigs and no blossoms and no promise of blossoms, but you know that those who prune trees understand the the necessary of this cutting back. And if the tree could talk, it would probably scream and holler and say, oh, I toiled so long to produce this fruit. But God knows in the pruning and the uh, husbandman knows in the pruning of this that it will produce better and more precious fruit in the time. And I believe a lot of that's going on. The fire 
that consumes straw also purifies gold. The same fire that can destroy the straw purifies gold. Okay, so it's God's ways, God's purpose and, and how he uses. The fire is the same, but its purpose is different. And God deals with us as loving children in his church. We are the church triumphant. Although we look a little haggard right now and don't have a whole lot of fruit and a lot of our limbs are, I was bummed out with our trees. We have two in the front yard that, um, they're fairly nice sized trees and, and, and spring somewhere, maybe late May, they become one big white ball. Looks like a gigantic white basketball. Huge! But this year, man, it just didn't happen. There's a sporadic white there and a sporadic, and I was like, oh, man. And this is what we have this ability to be this church triumphant. And God is going to do His work to make us that and to produce that. And that's where we are at this moment. This is what's going on. The effect of the fire is certainly different on the straw and on the gold. But it is the same same fire. That which is destroyed by the fire, the straw, also is made purified by the fire, which is the gold, which is you and I. So, Christians, look. Don't live under the fallacy that you're not going to suffer. We do. We suffer from dumb mistakes. I mean, you suffer from pulling out in front of somebody and you didn't see them. And you get blasted. I mean, it does happen. You do suffer, do you not? And so the Bible says that you will suffer. Now, I want you to look at some things. 1 Peter 4.12 says this. Beloved, now he's talking to you and I, your children. Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. God is saying, don't think it's strange. Somehow we have concepts in us as Christians that no trials should come to us. Because we're God's children. But it never says that in the Word of God. God says, beloved, children, don't think it's strange when trials come. And so we need to look truly just simply at the Word of God. In fact, it says the fiery trials. Fiery trials, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened into you or unto you. It's not a strange thing that's going on. It says this, listen, but rejoice in as much as you are partakers of Christ's suffering. We are to rejoice in what's going on. Because we understand what God is doing and that He is our Heavenly Father and it's by the hand of God. Well, my kids would wail and cry and after they got their suffering. But if I would be the proper father that I would and did this many of times, I didn't say, no, shut up. No, I hit them so they would cry. I mean, you understand that's dumb, you Wail them to fire them up so they cry and realize what they did is wrong. There's a punishment to disobeying. And then you tell them, don't cry. No, the crying's the fruit. I want to see it. Okay? And then they cry for a while. And then when they're done, I hug them and hold them and love them and kiss them. And, and, and we pray. And this is exactly what God does to us. So he says, don't think it's strange in so much as you are partakers of Christ's suffering. Do you understand? Anything you share with Christ is awesome. Are you understanding that? Everything. 
Not just the blessings and the redemption and the born again and being whiter than snow, but also the sufferings. Even when people say, oh, you're one of them, and they mock you and make fun of you, or you lose your job, or you don't get hired because of it, God says, rejoice! You're sharing with Christ. So anything you share with Christ is supposed to be awesome. But we as people just like to choose all the sweet things. But he says, but rejoice in so much as you are partakers of Christ's suffering. That is the reason for this. That when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. Exceeding joy. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are you. The Bible saying, if you suffer because you are known as a Christian, your life reflects the light of Almighty God. God says, you should be happy. Happy about that. <clears throat> now, I think a lot of our lights in America don't reflect the light of Almighty God. And so, therefore, the hand of God says it's time to correct that. It's time to fix it. And he says judgment starts in the house of God. I think we're laboring, suffering as a church. I do. It says, if you be a reproach for the name of Christ, happy are ye. For the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, isn't this true? He is evil spoken of, but on your part, he is glorified. Isn't that true? On their part, he is evil. Can't be, he can't be stood. They don't like him. They use his name as a filthy curse word. And on your name, I want to worship you forever. And so this is what's happening. Now, Hebrews tells us this. Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplication, this is your Lord, with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared. Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by things which he suffered. Okay, that's just the way it is. I learn best that way. I really do. I mean, you can have a book, and the book tell you, don't touch the stove when the stove is hot. You could receive a first-degree burn, third-degree burn, I forget what's worse, and you end up in the hospital and have a disfigured hand. I could read that in a book, say, hmm, but I can accidentally touch a cookie pan that Ruth sets on top, and when I touch that, and it screams up through my mind and nerves, hot! That makes me learn a lot more, a lot better than something I read in a book. It just, it's the way it is for me, and I'm assuming a lot of times it's probably the same for all of us. That which God teaches us through suffering. How many times have you said, and I will never do that again? I will never do that. Sorry, God. You know, whether you go and buy a car and you never prayed about it and you paid for a piece of junk for four years. Maybe you'll say, man, God, I will never do that again. You learn by these things rather than just reading it in a book. You ought to pray before you buy a car. 
Well, when you buy one and it's a clunk, there's no way out of it. You're going, man, that's a burn I'll never forget. And so we learn this way. So that's what it says. The son yet learned the obedience by the things which he suffered. So as children of God, I believe we are suffering corporately. We are. I believe the house of God is under judgment. God said it's time. It's happened. We are suffering, I believe, with the deficiency of the power of God. With the holiness of God. With the commitment to God. We suffer. We suffer without that commitment, without that army of God that we need. We suffer. We suffer with the lack of integrity and honesty in the ministry and in the house of God. Amongst one another and to God Himself personally. So we suffer, and God says, I'm going to fix all this. And so I would ask God lots of times, God, really, what's, what's going on? Why is it? And I would tell God lots of times, walking back and forth in prayer, and I'm saying, God, do you understand? As if he didn't. But this is just the way I talk to him. I said, God, do you understand? If you don't move with your majesty and your might, I'm sunk. There's nothing I can do. I don't have any potion or magic or power. It's not in my words. It's not in our music. It's not in what we build or put up on a screen, God. God, if you don't do something, something miraculous, majestic, awesome, powerful, glorious, I'm doomed. I'm sunk, God. I can't build a church. I can't draw people in. I can't reach down and change their hearts, Lord, like you. I've prayed that for years. And God does some things, but still not what I'm thinking or, or looking for. This, I mean, he really understand what he could do at a drop of a hat. I, I mean, just amazing. And yet, it hasn't seemed to quite happen yet. So I would say, God, what are you, what are you doing? And so I stumbled over something. And lots of times when I am in the process of just asking God, Lord, I need some info. I need some information, something I just don't understand. God always, whether it's through a song or through a preaching message or something I hear or something I read, something comes across my desk, something sent to me, and I thought, I'll be. But I, what I think is true, God, and I believe you just gave it to me. Now, this form of what I received is not, it's a dream someone had. Okay, but where I was, or where I am, at this specific time, and what I'm praying, no one knows. Okay, and then something comes across that seems to answer and line up what I'm thinking that God's doing. A lot of times I'll go, thanks God, that confirms to me, that helps me out. And I'm going to read this dream to you. It says, in this dream, no, this is not my dream. In this dream, this is a pastor's dream. I'm getting to it, sorry. In this dream, I was in downtown area of a large city, and there was a a lot of activity going on around me. The next thing I knew, I was on the top of a tall structure that was being dismantled. It was not being torn down, but dismantled and carried away on flatbed trucks. I was directing heavy equipment, like big cranes and such, that were being used to dismantle the many structures of the city. These structures were made of stone or cast concrete facades with steel beams used as supports for their structures. 
Again, I was having the cranes and other heavy equipment lower large pieces of these structures of concrete to the ground so they could be moved and taken away on a heavy truck. And then the guy wakes up and says, Lord, what are you doing? What is this? I awoke from my dream and I inquired of the Lord what this meant. The Lord said to me, I am dismantling the old religious structures that have been erected by men. I am clearing the way to build what I desire to be raised in this place and in this time. There is a large city to be dismantled, but I will raise up a new city built upon the foundations of divine truth which support pillars of righteousness and justice. But first, there will be a great dismantling and many Listen, many will be exposed to the winds and rain, to the hail and hot sun, to the snow and the darkness. I am their strong tower, says the Lord. Oh, how I so desire for them to run to me in the day of the great dismantling. For I am raising up a new city for those who will. And I thought, God, that's what's going on. You're dismantling. You're taking apart what we've built. What we've said is God, and God's doing this, and this is a move of God, and having no effect, no effect on our nation and on our country. It's still going the wrong way even faster than ever. And I thought, God, that's what you're doing. You're dismantling. But it's just for a while. And then God's going to restart this structure. And I believe that we can be a part of this. Look, after today, a lot of folks want to know how much suffering that we'll have to go through. I don't know that. I don't know that answer. I, I just don't. I can't answer that question. I, I don't know. I'm not looking forward to it. I'm not excited about it. Apparently, the cotton trade has gone through the House. If it goes through the Senate, they're saying your electric and gas and gasoline will triple. Triple. Okay? That's a form of suffering to us. Our lifestyle could change. It may be more difficult than any of us can imagine. But there are things that I can tell you about. All this stuff that might happen and could happen, mm, I don't know. But let's look at the things tonight, after this morning, and, and laying that on the line, the facts that we hear, that nations are doing, rising against nations, and how it looks bleak. But we actually don't know. But here are some things that I do know. The Bible tells us lots for the Christian. Paul said, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. We do know some things. We might not know how long our job will last, or how long the stock market will last, or if it will bounce back, or, or the economy, or rates. All these various things, but there are some things we do know. 
And we need to hang on to the things we do know. And let God worry about the things we don't know. It says, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ our Lord. You do know that. And you need to swallow that and chew that up and get that in you. And let the rest just out there. God, I don't know. I have no other plan. You're my only plan. I put all those eggs in that gospel basket, God. And so I don't know about those who have babies and those who are with child. But there are some things we do know. And the Bible tells us that no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. No weapon, God says. We do know this because Isaiah prophesied this under the anointing of Almighty God, that you and I in this time, in this day, in this bleak future, might see the Word of God and have faith rise up in you. No weapon, the Bible says, that is formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue, listen, that rises up against you in judgment, thou shalt condemn, God says. This is the promise from Almighty God. These are things we do know. And you need to see the Word of God and look at it and chew it and bank your life on it. I can't tell you that you do have a hope and a future. You do have a tomorrow. And when all your tomorrows are used up, then you will just start eternity. And you do have something else. You have a mansion. That God said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again to take you with me. There are things you do know. And God is building a place for His children. A home for them to live with Him forever and ever and ever. We shall be with the Lord Jesus told us, if it was not so, if this was a big lie, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you. For you see, in my Father's house are many mansions. It's waiting on you right now. God says, these are things you do know. Don't worry about the things you don't know. Here's another thing I can tell you. By the authority of the Word of God, Psalmist said, I have been young. And I am now old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. I don't know how, I don't know when, I don't know through what channel, what way. All I know is that the Word of God says, I have been young and I am now old. God said anybody that has any length of time serving God, whether you are 20, but you've been serving God 8 years since you've been 12, I believe you can say amen to that. Amen to the understanding that you have. I have been young in God, and now I am old in God. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. You know that. You can take that to the bank. There are many things you don't know. I don't know what the House of Representatives are going to do. I don't know what the Senate's going to do. I don't know what our very own president might do. But there are things we do know. 
And you need to depend on those things that you do know that come from Almighty God. You can bank your future and your trust even in the midst of the bleak. Because when it does fall, when it does hit that fan, and people running scared, you cannot run. You must stand and be firm. Even if you say, God, help them not to see my knees shake. Because we're only people. But I believe God will give us everything that we need. There are things we don't know, but there are things that you do know. And here they are. This is the Word of God. I'm not just reading some words that I thought would be catchy to you. I'm delivering to you the actual written Word of God to you that you can bank your life on. We do know some things. I can tell you this. We're going to gather around a throne someday. We're going to be called up yonder someday. And we're going to be gathered around this throne, listen, with thousands and thousands and thousands. And we're all going to be saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. We're going to be screaming to the top of our lungs, Heaven and earth are filled with Your glory. Hosanna! Hosanna! Hosanna to the highest! We do know that. I might not know what's going to happen tonight or tomorrow or the day of my death, but there are things I do know. And these things should counteract any fear or any anticipation of nervousness or stress in your life. When has that ever been of any value to you? You stressed your way into a new job. You stressed your bank account not to be zero. What? You, you just got to pray. You just got to seek God. Worrying really pays off. You do know some things. And you need to understand them. In the Word of God, you need to focus on them, even though the picture seems to be bleak and our tree called the church just doesn't seem to have a whole lot of power and glory at this time. And there was a while back I preached a message. I don't think it was in this building. Maybe it was. I don't remember. But we had spent a lot of money on petunias, flowers. Okay, and they kind of do their thing up to about this time, and then they start to go south. And, you know, they used all their strength and had all their beauty. And if you don't do anything, that which was nice and bushy, you know, hanging flowers we're into because of our house, the way it's designed, then you'll have this long, almost leafless, scraggly, half-brown, going yellow with a little flower at the end. And you don't want to kill it. You don't want to take it off. You don't want to chop it because you at least got that one little flower. And if you remember, I don't know if you remember that service or not, but I whacked that thing way down and brought that in and said, this is you. <clears throat> and you were ugly. And you had no fruit and you had no glory. And there was nobody desiring to be a Christian as they looked at you. But God just tucked you away somewhere. And that's what I did, just put that flower somewhere in the corner and just kept watering it and taking care of it, special care like your heavenly father would. 
And I don't remember how many weeks later, but I brought that same flower in, and it had just overflowed the basket once again and had multitudes of fresh growth and the beginning of a whole new crop of beautiful flowers. And that's what God's doing. I might not look real pretty right now, but I do know some things. I don't know what President Obama is going to do. I don't know what the Supreme Court's going to do. But there are some things we do know, and it's all lined up through the Word of God. If I could have the band, please, Michael and your guys, hopefully they're, yes. We had a double blessing today. We got Aiden back from all his surgeries. Everything came back negative, perfect little shape. Aiden's been walking around showing his belly to guys only, I heard. Won't do it to girls. And in Cleveland, went all the way up to see Tim in this supposedly four- to five-hour surgery. And there he is after a two-hour surgery. There he is right there. It's amazing, absolutely amazing. Now, I have some more scripture for you, but I would like you to stand. Don't major on the things you don't know. You're a flawed human vessel made from dirt. There's just not a lot you're going to know. Okay? Okay? But that which you need to hang on to is found in the Word of God. And it says, as they get ready, this is what I do know. Because the Bible tells us, a thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. That's what the Word of God says to you and to I, to myself, to us who are going to do our very best to serve Almighty God. It also says, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even most high, thy habitation. This is why all these words of God that we're giving to you, that you can know them and that you can bank on them. He says this, a thousand shall fall at this side, ten thousand at thy right hand, but it's not going to come nigh thee. In verse 9, or verse, yeah, verse 9, he tells you reason why, because... You have done something, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation. You live there. You dwell there. It's everything about God, not just a visit, not a drive-through God. You're saying, God, I bank my life on you. It's your habitation. God, take all my faults, all my weaknesses, all my despair and stress and worry. You are my habitation. And he says, For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. Angels are watching out over me. Angels. A few years back, someone bought me a picture. I believe it's still hanging up. I can't quite remember. And that picture spoke so much to me. Because so many times you just feel like you're alone. And you're weary. And you're exhausted. And it had a picture of a pastor slumped in his chair in his office with his head down and weary. 
But what the pastor didn't know is there was an angel bound by his feet with a basin of water taking his shoes off, going to wash his feet. God says, I will give you my angels charge over you. Do you understand, really, that only thing we have is counting on God? That's it. That's all I have is counting on Almighty God. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. J.C. Muraski broke his little toe the other day, he thinks, and he said, oh man, that hurts so bad. And I asked him if he screamed like a girl. I mean, he's like six, seven. And he said, yes. And I can understand that. You ever stub your foot and your toe? And God said, I'm telling you, I will put angels around you. They will have charge over you, lest you dash your foot against a stone. That's how much God cares about us. Thou shalt tread upon the lion. Gone out. Remember when I preached a message years ago called Lion Tracks? Went out from my office after studying. Big dog tracks. Big ones of mud were all around my office. And I'm not a dog person. And I could swear I could hear him growling. Well, God said, there is a lion that comes after you. And there is a snake and a dragon. But God said, because of me. And He's telling us, this is something you do know. That you can trample the lion and the dragon and the snake that come after you from the pits of hell. If you count on God. And count on God only. And here's why. This is amazing. Because He has set His love upon you. He just loves you. He loves you. This is why. Because thou hast set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high, because he has known my name. You do know this. Verse 15 says, He shall call upon me, and I will answer. I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. God said, I'll do that. Verse 16 ends it with, With long life will I satisfy him and will show him my salvation. That's Jesus. You do know some things. 